thank you for joining us. I'm here with the prosecutors and investigators who have worked diligently on the investigation of criminal attempts to interfere in the administration of Georgia's 2020 presidential election. Today, based on information developed by that investigation, a Fulton County grand jury returned a true bill of indictment, charging 19 individuals with violations of Georgia law arising from a criminal conspiracy to overturn the results of the 2020 presidential election in this state. is in a crucial stage It's not because of foreign wars we wage It's more to do with the colors blue and red Too many laws and too much government Can you tell me where the Constitution went? The Bill of Rights is just hanging by a thread So many people try to cross the border and Politicians build a new world order too many minds are convinced they should be led. I've got to be free the way God made men. And I won't be ruled by the damn UN. Taking your right to self-defense. They say you're safer, but they don't make sense. Dangerous ones will not turn in the guns. Always ask for more. All we buy is made on foreign shores. Come a day when there'll be real hell to pay. I've gotta be free. Hello and welcome to today's broadcast of Tapping to the Truth. Hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are and whatever you may be doing, with all the usual caveats, of course. With you as always, I'm your ever-so-humble and mostly peaceful host, Tim Tap, coming to you from historic Roan County, Tennessee. And golly gee williker, guys, uh, what has happened to our constitutionally federated republic? Uh, what has happened to the basic ideas of due process and, you know, just First and Second Amendment rights being held dear by 
even those who stand opposed to you politically or professionally. I mean, there was a time where there was some level of honor among the judicial branch of our government, where they they legitimately strove to to stand above the the partisanship. They understood that they had their own feelings. They knew how they voted. They knew what they believed politically, but they refused to let that interfere with the execution of their duties. They refused to let it color their perspectives and what justice was to look like. They understood the inherent difference between vengeance and justice. They understood the inherent differences between abuse of power and the attempt to walk the tightrope of utilizing the power that had been entrusted in them to best serve the people of this great nation. Things have changed a lot since then, ladies and gentlemen. Obviously, uh, we'll be talking about the Georgia indictment that we knew was coming, and it did, in fact, hit late Monday evening. Well, yeah, yeah, I guess it was kind of early evening, uh, but still evening. It was late in the day for such a thing to occur. But before we jump on board with any of today's topics, let's take a moment to talk about one of our sponsors for this hour. That, of course, is our fine friends over at Four Patriots. I know, I know by now, if you haven't already went and checked this out, it's only because either you're a new listener or you're the kind of person that wants to put things off as long as you can. And there's nothing wrong with that. I'm a bit of a procrastinator myself. I'm not throwing stones at you. I really am not. But here's the thing. We are in the age of Bidenomics, right? Things are getting crazy. Gas prices shooting back up again and only going to get worse. Uh, everything else, of course, means uh, that we're going to have more expenses with literally everything, because when fuel costs go up, then it automatically costs way more to get all the goods and services that you might need to the location for you to utilize them. Of course, you know, services are services, but goods, goods must be transported. So, if food's becoming an issue, you need to be prepared. You need to have an emergency stash. Get yourself the survival food kits from 4patriots.com. Load up on them. They've got a ton of different things that you can do to, to build up a supply of emergency food, just in case. They have everything from 72-hour uh, get-you-through-an-emergency-situation packs to three-month survival to just desserts. I mean, they've got the protein packs. They've got all kinds of cool stuff. You really have to just go see for yourself to, to get a full imagining of what all is going on. But I would encourage you that if that's what draws you over there, go ahead and spend some time looking at all the other things for Patriots has to offer. And uh, just between you and me, 
If you use promo code TAP, that's T-A-P-P, at checkout, no matter what you put in that uh, shopping cart of yours, you'll get a 10% discount. And uh, that's a pretty good deal, too. So stop by to check out the food. Take a peep at the solar generators while you're there. Take a look at water filtration, uh, all the other cool gadgets and gizmos, everything you might possibly need to get through a tight spot when life goes sideways. So you might say, well, okay, Tim, you talked me into it, but where do I need to go? Well, that one's pretty easy, too. Just go to fourpatriots.com. Once you're there, don't forget, promo code TAP, T-A-P-P, at checkout. That's the number four. Don't don't try to spell out four. It's the number four, patriots.com. Fourpatriots.com. Use promo code TAP, T-A-P-P. Get yourself 10%. Don't put it off any longer. Really don't. You're doing yourself a disservice. Okay, so obviously we are talking about what occurred this past Monday night. You see, former United States president, best known as 45 in some circles, the orange man who's bad, the kicker of puppies, the eater of babies, the climate arsonist, Mr. Donald John Trump, along with several of his good, good friends, uh, top allies, some might call them, uh, they were indicted. Indicted in Georgia on Georgia state charges. They were indicted by the Fulton County Grand Jury. Or were they? I mean, ultimately, that's a question, right? Because we all saw what happened earlier in the day where it was posted on the Fulton County Court uh, website that, um, that Donald Trump had been indicted. And... Strangely enough, the indictments listed in that announcement ended up being exactly the same indictments that later on Fannie Willis and every other person involved with this indictment claims was fake. It was erroneous. Something going on with the clerk. They don't know what was happening. It was very odd. But you see, if you were actually indicted by the grand jury and the grand jury wasn't done yet, how is it so precise? I mean, it's not even a leak of the grand jury decision, right? Because the grand jury wasn't done yet. And yet, they're still claiming the grand jury stepped forward and indicted over the alleged attempts by Trump and company to overturn the results of the 2020 presidential election. And it's funny how the left keeps using that particular language. You tried to overturn the election. It wasn't you were trying to challenge the election. No, no, no. It wasn't you were trying a series of novel legal theories that, uh, well, pretty pretty much a reach. It's a stretch. Uh, I, you don't have to be a lawyer to see how much of a stretch a lot of this is. Uh, of course, there's a lot of diehard Trump train riders that will be mad at me for saying so, but it wasn't very likely to stand up to scrutiny once they got into court anyway. And we saw that because they got Paul and I were, and, and it's not because uh, all of the court systems and all the judges were all against Trump. It's because 
they didn't really have much legal standing with what they were trying to offer up. So this indictment, the only reason the indictment holds any legal water in the state of Georgia at all is because it was outside of the legally prescribed methods for challenging an election in the state of Georgia. Now, it's still utterly ridiculous, and I, I don't see how this stands on appeal. I do see a potential of a conviction uh, first go-round, much the same as our federal charges in D.C., I also see this as being something that uh, Trump and company wins on appeal. I mean, almost to the person, because it's pretty obvious this wasn't an attempt to overturn the results of an election. This was an attempt to challenge the results as announced because they honestly felt like Trump had won. They honestly felt like there were shenanigans afoot. And the reason they honestly felt that way is because, well, there seems to be an awful lot of evidence that points in that direction, especially in Fulton County in particular. But let's focus more about what just happened. So the Fulton County District Attorney, as I already mentioned, Miss Fanny Willis, said that 19 individuals charged under Georgia's RICO Act, which the RICO Act, that's what allows prosecutors to connect various crimes committed by multiple defendants and argue that they were working together towards a criminal goal. That that was part of the criminal enterprise. Basically, and by now you probably already heard this to death, that's why I normally would stay away from a story like this because it's going to be over-covered. This is something I just have to talk about. So, apologies. And I'm breaking my own quasi-soft rule in trying to find stories that are being talked about less. But this is too big of a deal not to talk about. They broke out the old RICO Act, basically treating Trump and company like, uh, like Donald Trump is, you know, the head of the family. Like uh, they're out here in The Godfather. It's like, ah, obviously, clearly, uh, very criminal. Very criminal that you would challenge the results. I mean, this still all basically comes down to a phone call where Donald Trump was asserting that he knew he had won and that they needed to go find those uh, votes that had been cast. Again, he was never once saying, uh, you know, you go find me those votes no matter what. No, he was saying, go find the votes that I know clearly are out there. Now that that mindset alone is enough to throw the entirety of the RICO action out. It really is, and that's how it should play out. It should be very quickly and summarily just done in court. There should not even be a need for multiple days. There should not be a need for the circus that we know is going to ensue. But there will be a circus, and Trump's Attorneys, his legal team, are going to have to be on their A-game because this is something under RICO charges. It comes with mandatory jail time, and it comes with a large number of years. And worse than that, even if he runs from jail and gets elected, guess what? I still don't believe in the legitimacy of pardoning yourself. Although in a, or, uh, 
novel legal theory that a lot of folks seem to think actually could work? Well, President of the United States doesn't have the authority or the power to pardon a state crime. That's why New York's uh, moron up there, Mr. Briggs, decided to, to try and use as his campaign moving forward, as someday he wants to be governor, I'm sure, that he was the first to bring an indictment against Trump. Because he knows that the New York indictment can't be pardoned by a sitting president, and neither could a Georgia state uh, crime. So these indictments turn into convictions. There's no pardon. In fact, there's no way to pardon or, or commute the sentence in Georgia regardless because Georgia is one of the few states where the governor doesn't have the authority to do that for state crimes. It's just not going to happen. So anyway, we're, we're legitimately looking at a 41-count indictment where 19 people have been charged, including, of course, Orange Man Bad, uh, also Rudy Giuliani, John Eastman, Mark Meadows, Jeffrey Clark, Jenna Ellis, uh, Robert Cheesley, Mike Roman, David Schaefer, Sean Tesper still, um, Stephen Lee, Harrison Floyd, Sidney Powell, of course, can't leave Sidney out of there. She was one of the ringleaders with this novel theory of hers. Uh, Kathleen Latham, Scott Hall, Misty Hampton. I, I know I left a few off here, but the point of the matter is it's a lot of people, and only a few of those names um, are most of you going to be familiar with. At the end of the day, if you're going to charge RICO, just like if you're going to charge conspiracy, like they have with the uh, Mar-a-Lago indictment over the mysterious case of the documents, if you're going to charge conspiracy, then there has to be co-conspirators. That's why they've thrown out some charges against a couple of extra people here and there. Same thing here. If you're going to claim that their efforts to challenge the results was a criminal enterprise, then everyone that was legally assisting to move forward with this novel legal theory that is at the very least questionable, everyone that was involved with helping to promote or work towards that goal must have been involved in the criminal activity. So now they have the criminal enterprise, the, the members, the moving parts of the organization. They still haven't proven criminal intent, and that's still going to be the hard part for them to do here because intent is important with these charges. You cannot possibly have been working to overthrow the results of the election if you honestly believed that you were actually trying to prevent the perversion of the actual results of the election. If you believed that you were standing between election fraud and the good men and women of the state of Georgia, then you are the good guy. You're not the criminal. Not going to make a difference as far as this is concerned moving forward, clearly, but it still stands to reason that these people have really, really got their work cut out for them. Again, they're going to offer up whatever they've collected at this point, and they're going to try to paint everything that Donald Trump has said in the worst possible way. They're going to try to paint the worst things that Sidney Powell and Rudy Giuliani said, and all the things that these other folks did in their efforts to try to, to demonstrate 
that this election was stolen, they're going to go out there. And they're going to claim that all these people did all these terrible things. And at the very least, this wasn't the legally prescribed method of challenging an election in the state of Georgia. Therefore, it is criminal. It's not. But that's the case. That's it in a nutshell. You didn't follow the legally prescribed means to challenge an election in the state of Georgia. And because there were a bunch of you trying to do the same thing, you were all guilty. Hence, Rico. Hence, you might as well be the freaking... Uh, who do you want to pick? Pick your favorite mob boss. Fictional or real. It doesn't matter. Might as well be that guy. Whoever. Pick them. It's up to you. So the New York Times noted that the indictment contains what are effectively several baskets of alleged criminal activity to keep the former president in office. And none of the defendants were involved in all of these alleged different schemes, which included making false claims of election fraud at a legislative hearing in December of 2020, trying to install a slate of fake pro-Trump electors to give Georgia's electoral college votes to Trump, trying to steal and tamper with voter data and election equipment, and trying to harass and intimidate an election worker. Now, excuse me, but I think we need to take a breath right here and take a closer look at some of this. The false claims of election fraud at the legislative hearing, basically they're trying to state that because they spoke with confidence, the way any attorney representing their client should at these hearings, that they determined that to be a lie. So this was clearly an effort to make false claims. Now, you've determined them to be false because you have a narrative that you want pushed. You want to pretend like these Georgia elections had nothing questionable to occur at any point. Now, just because you don't like this legal theory, I get really tired of saying novel legal theory, but it is the appropriate phrase here. But just because you didn't like this novel legal theory doesn't mean it wasn't worth the effort. It wasn't worth the attempt. And this was actually them, I'll point out for the record as well, trying to follow the legally prescribed means and methods of challenging an election in the state of Georgia. So they were trying to do the right thing, but because they didn't like what they were saying as they did it, well, that still makes it criminal. Not really, but again, this is the picture they're painting. This is the narrative they're going with. This is their effort to describe this whole thing as being criminal. Uh, the trying to install a slate of fake pro-Trump electors, uh, actually, I think normally we would describe that as being having a slate of alternative electors prepared and ready to go represent the state in the event that the efforts to challenge the results of said election happen to break in Trump's uh, favor. 
they did the same thing in, in other states, and several other states looked at it, and they got kind of miffed that they had organized it and that there were uh, would-be electors that were ready to go. And some of them even went to D.C. on Electoral College Count Day, but they didn't go in. They didn't get counted as official electors of the state. None of that happened, so no criminal activity actually occurred there. Their idea of calling these people fake is all part of the narrative. It's all part of them trying to pretend as if something criminal happened here. And again, having a alternative slate of electors ready to go, considering how close to the date it was by that point in time, that was just being prepared. Again, not criminal. Now, what was the other part here? Uh, uh, trying to steal and tamper with voter data and election equipment. Okay, this was an after-the-fact effort to try and gain access to some of these voting machines to basically check and see forensically if the reported results was accurate. Now, should they have done it in the fashion that they did? Eh, well, that's questionable. I'm still not certain that it elevates itself to the level of criminal, but this seems like it might be one of the closest things to an actual criminal offense. But again, it was still done in an effort to verify whether or not the results from these machines could be considered reliable. So, did they actually steal anything? Did they actually tamper with voter data? Or were they simply collecting voter data once they gained access to it? Now, again, there is some question about the legality of how they gained access to it. That's another story. And if that ends up being the extent of actual criminality that occurred, then there's only one or two of these uh, associates that's actually guilty here. So, again, RICO still doesn't apply because it, while it was done on the behest of Donald Trump in an effort to try to challenge the results of the election, still wasn't done under the direction of Donald Trump. And, you know, you would think that would be an argument that the left would certainly understand, considering that that literally is the only excuse they still have when it comes to Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. and the globe-trotting, cash-bag-grabbing shenanigans of that young whippersnapper, Hunter. Anyway, the uh, trying to harass and intimidate an election worker, this was them interviewing and uh, making it clear that there could be legal consequences if it was to turn out that you, you know, perjured yourself, lied under oath, or had intentionally broken election laws by, I don't know, let's say, pulling out suitcases of ballots after election observers were removed from the rooms, or uh, happened to have been I don't know, running the same ballots three or four times, counting them over and over again, all of which seemingly were Joe Biden ballots. Uh, just things that normally 
we would consider to be a violation of election law. So is that intimidation? Um, hmm, let's see here. I am a officer of the court, which any attorney technically is. I show up and I remind you, while you're under oath, that you are under oath and could be charged with perjury if you do not tell the truth. Do we consider that to be intimidation? Because, make no mistake about it, there is an effort to intimidate you into telling the truth. Uh, every time law enforcement tries to conduct an interview, there's an effort at intimidation. Is that criminal? Is it harassment? I mean, if you step past a certain line, if you go past a certain level, yes, you can enter that area, but that's also dependent on how far you push it, how far you go. If no one's rights are abridged, if no one's rights are abbreviated, if no one's rights are just flat out ignored, then you haven't really done anything criminal. Now, some of the other things to remember is that this case, unlike some of the others, this one has already been approved to be broadcast on television. So, the orange man who's bad and all his little friends, they're going to get to be on TV. And the public, they're going to get to witness all of the evidence that's being presented. They're going to get to see this circus. Now, here's the fun part. Close to the end of the announcements, the prosecutor, DA, she says, the following defendants have until noon on August 25th to turn themselves in. Noon of August 25th. <laughs> turn yourselves in, boys, or then we're issuing arrest warrants. Then we're coming for you. We're sending out the whole untouchable team to take down you Rico organized criminal masterminds. All right, so I'm not going to go down all of these for everyone, but just for the big name folks, you probably ought to know uh, Donald Trump's facing 13 charges in this indictment, three counts of solicitation of violation of oath by public officer, two counts. Conspiracy to commit forgery in the first degree. Two counts, conspiracy to commit false statements in writings. Two counts, false statements and writings. One count, violation of the Georgia RICO Act. One count, conspiracy to commit impersonating a public official, or I'm sorry, a public officer. One count, conspiracy to commit filing false documents. Now, this, of course, has to do with the slate of alternative uh, electors, in case you're wondering. Uh, one count, filing false documents. Now, th that's, that's what he's got going on here. Rudy Giuliani, he also has 13 charges he's facing. Three counts, solicitation of. A violation of oath by public officer. 
Three counts of false statements and writings. Two counts, conspiracy to commit forgery in the first degree. Two counts, conspiracy to commit false statements and writings. One count, violation of the Georgia RICO Act. One count, conspiracy to commit impersonating a public officer. And one count, conspiracy to commit filing of false documents. Oh, my, my, my. Scrolling down here... Uh, John Eastman's got nine charges. Um, some of the other names. Sidney Powell's only got seven charges. Uh, who else is on here? Uh, where's Mark Meadows? Mark Meadows, Mark Meadows. Scroll down. Da, da, da. Mark Meadows. There he is, former White House Chief of Staff. Only two charges. Only two charges for Mark. Uh, violation of the Georgia RICO Act. And uh, one solicitation of violation of oath by public officer. So, wow. Uh, yeah, you can hit hard on that. Well, everybody gets at least two, it looks like. Everybody's getting at least two. It's just, just nuts. I mean, we are beyond the Rubicon here. We are beyond the point of uh, just flat-out banana republic. Our... Our republic is gone. Uh, we've really got to work to fix it. Uh, there's, I don't know what we do or how we fix it at this point, but the fact that this continues at this level, that there is this two-tier system where suddenly uh, there's just no such thing as due process for Donald John Trump or anybody who was willing to stand up and fight for Donald Trump publicly, especially the court of law, we got to do something. Now, let's go ahead and take the mid-hour break. I'm a smidge behind on uh, getting started for that, and I hope you will forgive me for being so. Before we slide into the mid-hour break, though, I want to remind you about our friends over at Vanish Holsters. Yeah, we're still offering a $50 discount to the end of August, and I'm really hoping to, to talk them into extending it further. Uh, maybe we can. I can't make any promises at this point, though. They've been real receptive twice now. At first, they were going to end that forty uh, that $50 discount at the end of July. Then they extended it to August 15th. Uh, then they extended it to the end of August. I'm going to keep trying to keep it up there at 50 uh, but I, I wouldn't hesitate. I wouldn't procrastinate. And uh, you really just need to go visit them at www.vnsh.com backslash T-A-P-P. That way you will automatically activate that $50 discount. Do it before the end of August. That's as far out as I can promise you right now that that $50 discount will stay a full $50 discount. And the thing about uh, Vanish Holsters, most comfortable holsters uh, in the country, maybe even in the world. Uh, not my testimony. It's the testimony of thousands of their customers. They swear that if you start using a Vanish holster, you'll never stop carrying. And that's a good thing because, as we all know, the quickest path to tyranny is to give up your guns. And the fastest way to become a victim of violent crime is to not have your handgun on you when you need it. If that very terrible horrible, no-good day ever happens where you have to stand up and defend yourself, your family, your friends, your neighbors, your property. Don't put yourself at the uh, terrible disadvantage of not having your firearm with you when you need it. Just don't do it. We know that holster comfort is an issue. I, myself, 
I've had holsters that have been so uncomfortable, I just stopped carrying. It was a bad idea. It's not a good idea to, to not have your firearm, especially over something so silly. So take care of it. Uh, the Vanish holsters are designed to uh, also hold two magazines. They're designed to work with about just about every semi-automatic handgun that exists. They're designed to work without a tactical belt, and they're also designed to allow you to carry multiple positions. So if one position doesn't work too good for you, you can find another position, and there you go. Biff, bang, bang. Bob's your uncle. You're carrying, and you're comfortable. There you have it. So, one more time. Uh, www.vnsh.com backslash TAPP. Go check it out right now. Don't wait any longer. You need to have a Vanish holster. Hey, y'all. This is Derek Johnson. You can find me at DerekJohnsonCountry.com. And you're listening to Tim Tap and Tapping Through the Truth. She's hair pulled back in a camo cap with a catfish on the line. She's an evening gown, night on the town, candlelight and wine. She's shy, she's bold, she's like a nice cold fireball whiskey shot. She's a big high five on the 50-yard line. She's a real cool kind of hot. With her long hair's blowing out, a roll-down window. My old truck shines like a brand-new limo. I'm the guy with the big old smile and all the selfie shots. She's like an August day when you're bailing hay in that She's fun and free, lets me be me. She's a real cool kind of hot. Yeah, real cool kind of hot. So-called green cars with soil-killing batteries are causing Ford Automotive to drown in red ink. Hello, I'm... Ron Edwards, on today's page from the Edwards Notebook, brought to you by Constitutional Grounds Coffee. Well, at one time, Americans knew that crime doesn't pay. That's no longer true, asked the Uncle Joe Biden family. But Ford Motor Company is learning the hard way that electric cars do not pay. For years, the government and woke corporations like Ford have tried until they tried out to convince we the people that driving potentially dangerous lithium battery-powered motor cars is a good idea. They thought we would just go along and en masse purchase autos with batteries that pollute the earth and easily catch fire and explode just because they said so. Hopefully Ford Motor Company will learn from its projected loss of $4.5 billion on electric vehicles and go right back to improving upon combustion petrol-powered cars. If not, may new auto producers arise and produce what consumers want, not vehicles based upon the dictates of the United Nations Agenda 2030 plan. I'm Ron Edwards. Join me live weekdays to find out where. Go to theronedwards.com. Bean stocks designed specifically for people who haven't started investing yet or don't know how to do it or haven't been trained how to do it or are worried about investing in the stock market that they've never done before. It's a robo-advisor system that really simplifies the investing process. The challenge we all have is that as you work and grow in your career, you have to put something aside for yourself when you retire around 65 years old. And the idea of bean stocks is to simplify that whole process. In other words, 
put aside 10% of your salary each week, maybe just $100, and let it go to work in the stock market for you. And what Beanstalk does is basically automate that process for you. Easy to set up. You can transfer directly to your bank account and puts it into exchange-traded funds, which are baskets of many stocks, which gives you diversification. That's the whole key. The idea that you can have this done for you weekly or bi-monthly, but the most important thing is to start now and make it so that you are putting something aside for your own retirement. Beanstalks just makes it really simple to do. When I invented my pillow, my passion was to help each and every one of you. And 20 years later, all of your support is what keeps us going. Because of you, we've been able to create thousands of USA jobs and help millions get the best sleep ever. To thank you, my employees and I are bringing you a limited edition my pillow. The Giza Elegance My Pillow is made with my patented adjustable fill, the most amazing cotton, and a two-inch pipe gusset. It has four custom loft levels, machine washable and dryable, and you get my 60-day money-back guarantee and 10-year warranty. Go to MyPillow.com and use promo code TAPP or call 1-800-659-9936. That's MyPillow.com with promo code TAPP. Use your promo code to get your limited edition 20th anniversary MyPillow queen size. Retails for $69.98, now only $19.98. That's right, get a queen size MyPillow for only $19.98. From all of us here at MyPillow... Constitutional Grounds, the hot air roasted coffee that produces a smoother, richer, healthier, and less acetic coffee. Our unique hot air roasted coffee has a most delicious taste that everyone is raving about. Because you want the best, Constitutional Grounds is the coffee you want in your cup. Simply go to BlueEdgeCoffeeCrafters.com and click on to the Constitutional Grounds coffee display to make your purchase and to be sure to use the RE20 promo code and you will receive a 10% discount. Remember, Constitutional Grounds, the coffee you want in your cup. Hi, this is Matt Fitzgibbons at PatriotMusic.com. If you share my passion for the simple but timeless principles that made our republic great and you like rock music, check out my five albums and videos on American history at PatriotMusic.com. You say gun control is using both hands. I've got to be free the way God made Damn you, when I am a real American, fight for the rights of every man. I am a real American, fight for what's right, fight for your life. Hi, this is Rod Eccles, and you're listening to Tap Into the Truth with Tim Tapp. Right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so very much for staying with us through that very brief break. Before we jump back into the action, have to uh, talk to you just a little bit about our third and final sponsor of this hour. Well, actually, I guess technically it's the fourth because we did kind of run the ad for my pillow earlier. Anyway, here's the issue. Given the current woke nature of healthcare, 
it's really up to you to make sure that you're doing everything you need to do to take care of yourself. Your health is in your hands. And right now, if you're concerned about heart disease, blood clots, strokes, kidney failure, well, then you probably shouldn't be taking ibuprofen because literally you have the warning on the back of the bottle that all of these are potential side effects. And top it all off, ibuprofen doesn't even get to the main cause of your pain. It's only a temporary pain relief issue. It's only masking the problem. The problem, of course, is inflammation. There is a solution to your pain, and it is not ibuprofen. It is not Tylenol. Something that can be very helpful, though. Well, we're talking about Antarctic krill oil. We're talking about the introduction of omega-3 fatty acid into your diet. Right now, you can go to stopmyinflammation.com backslash T-A-P-P to learn more about this situation and how best to deal with it, along with a special offer just for being a listener to tap into the truth. So when we're talking about ibuprofen, when we're talking about Tylenol, it's not only ineffective, it's expensive, and it can be downright dangerous, especially for seniors. And that's why researchers are saying, get this Antarctic super nutrient into your diet right away. Of course, again, we're talking about omega-3 fatty acids. Not just any form of omegas, but omega-3. These are the omega-3 fatty acids that's sourced from wild-caught krill. The omega-3 content from krill oil has been shown to support healthy blood pressure, circulation, brain health, as well as reduce inflammation, swelling, and joint pain. And that is really what it has done for me. I can personally attest to it. I've been taking it a little more than a month, and I feel like it has been world-changing to me at this point. So um, the important thing to remember here is the acrylic, the Antarctic krill oil that you can find in Native Path krill oil. It can outperform ibuprofen, Advil, and Tylenol as far as relieving your pain. And it doesn't have any of the dangerous side effects that we already talked about. Better yet, for a limited time, you can grab Native Path Antarctic Krill Oil for as low as $23 a bottle a month's supply. Just go to StopMyInflammation.com backslash T-A-P-P. Go right now and get a special offer for being part of the Tap Into the Truth audience. Now, with so little time left in this first hour... I'm going to do a quick change of route. I was going to go into a different story, but I'm going to do this one instead because I can comment on it much, much faster. You see, the current occupant of 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, uh, the man who was hanging out at the beach and had no comment about the fires in Hawaii, no comment, such a caring guy, way to be sympathetic and and empathy, uh, way to just show empathy there, uh, Uncle Joe, silly old, normal Grandpa Joe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, Joe Biden, he's going around and he's touting his economic record. And this effort at decreasing in 
inflation. Okay. He did it again during a speech in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Uh, that happened uh, on Tuesday of this week. Even as millions of Americans pay hundreds more for basic goods and services than just two years ago. Joe Biden pointed to lower inflation even as a new report said that Americans paid $709 more for basic goods and services in July of 2023 than they did in July of 2021, which was just months into Biden's time in office. The spending was also $202 more than July of 2022. This, according to Mark Zandai, the chief economic analyst for Moody's Analytics. <clears throat> Quoting here, in case you haven't noticed, inflation's down too, and it's going lower. Again, uh, if you hadn't guessed, this is Joe from uh, his speech on Tuesday. Now, the speech took place as Biden is promoting his Bidenomics vision in Wisconsin, which will be key 2024 battleground state. Uh, Wisconsin is going to matter a lot in the race for who becomes the next president. Bidenomics is going to be a tough sell there, Joe, because no matter how you want to spin it, no matter how... You keep trying to, to tell everybody that things are getting better and, and that Bidenomics is working. Two things are true that most people are really starting to understand. Number one, Bidenomics is working. It's just it's not designed to help the American people. It's designed to crash the economy. It's designed to move to that next type of economic theory. It's designed to move us into the world of modern monetary theory where everything's okay as long as you keep inflating the currency and nothing will ever catch up with you and nothing else will ever matter. Except we know that that's a recipe for disaster. We know it. I'm not sure that Joe still understands that part. I mean, you'd think he would. When it comes to people suffering from the type of cognitive uh, degradation that Joe is suffering, normally long-term memory can still be relied upon. Things that happened, oh, say, uh, 40 years ago while he was in the Senate, he's going to remember that like the back of his hand. That's part of why sometimes he still occasionally introduces himself as the senator from Delaware instead of the president of the United States. But anyway, the that's the first thing, that Bidenomics is in fact working. It's just not designed to help the American people. And the other thing they're going to recognize is the fact that you expect everyone to be dumb. That's the only way to spin this information and for people to come away from it feeling good about it because... You have to not understand how inflation works. You have to not understand that when inflation is up 2.2% year over year, that means it's still going up. When inflation is still rising, it is still going up. And yeah, that 3.5% uh, is a lot better than 9%, but it's still being tacked on top of 
the 9%, so that then your 12% over where it was two years ago, back when we first had the artificial shutdown of the economy. Yeah. Now, reasonably intelligent people who understand how the economy works, they know this instantly. They don't have to have it explained to them. But we all, I guarantee you, every single person listening to this broadcast, every one of you hearing the sound of my voice right now in this instance, knows probably at least a dozen people who don't understand that. And it's only because, not that they're dumb, not that they just don't follow whatever, it's just that they never grasp economics. It wasn't something they were interested in, so they didn't learn the basics. The thing is, this is a basic. This is pretty easy to explain. This is so easy that if Biden was actually serious about improving the economy for the American people, strengthening the American economy, that even he could understand the basic premise. Stop spending all of the money. Stop running up the debt. Stop printing more money. Let's get spending under control. He could easily explain the chart. It's like, okay, so I took office here, and then all of a sudden inflation went way up here. And uh, then once it got way up here to record levels, because we don't keep looking back two years ago and three years ago generally, uh, then we're going to be looking back to the same time in the last year because we always look at year over year. Why, oh, why? So we're looking at July of 2023 compared to July of 2022. Now, July of 2022, record setting, over 9%. J July 2023, up nearly 3%. Oh, wow, that's much better than the 9%. It's working. No, it's not. It's still going in the wrong direction. That is still on top of the record setting that happened before. It's a simple concept. You can draw a little chart. You can draw little pictures. You can animate it. You can put it in a video. You can do whatever you need to do, but it's easy enough to explain. You don't have to have a degree in economics to understand this very basic, simple principle. But Joe Biden, now he's going to say that this is proof that the economy is the strongest in the world. In fact, Biden claimed in this particular speech that the U.S. had the strongest economy in the world. Now, the U.S. certainly could have the strongest economy in the world. It has had the strongest economy in the world on multiple occasions. Never seems to be the case when Democrats are firmly in charge, though, is it? Anyway, quoting again, he said, we have the strongest economy in the world. We're looking. You're looking at me a little skeptical, but I promise you, check it out. Now, Biden said that while he was speaking at a wind turbine factory, obviously a place where he's looking to spend more money moving towards green energy. Now, Republicans have pointed out to a decline, and, and, I, and I say that like this because I'm trying to be diplomatic. Republicans have pointed to a decline in real wages. <clears throat> Another simple concept that we should be able to explain 
reasonably wealthy. Okay, uh, you're making $10 an hour three years ago, but groceries and gas only cost you about 15% of what it costs you now. Now you get a 10% raise, so you're making more money than you've ever made before, but that 10% raise doesn't account for the 15% increase in everything's cost. So you are, in effect, despite technically being paid more individual dollars, earning less in the real wages category because your dollars just don't go very far. Joe Biden is touting this. Real wages are down and gas prices are up. There's no question about this. The average American feels this every time they fill their gas tanks, every time they go to the grocery store. Joe Biden is out here trying to convince stupid people that things are getting better. And they're so pleased with it. They think it sounds like a winning strategy to go out here and say, Bidenomics. Bidenomics. Move over, Reaganomics. We like Bidenomics. Well, I'm glad you like Bidenomics. It seems to serve you pretty well. The problem is it doesn't serve the American people. It doesn't serve American businesses. It does serve to weaken us at a time when we need to be getting stronger. Our geopolitical rivals are becoming more and more aggressive each and every day. China right now is getting very, very close to a full-blown economic disaster, which is also going to negatively affect our economy because a bunch of morons, uh, looking at you, NBA, looking at you, Disney, uh, looking at you, everything Biden has suggested, a lot of you have interconnected our strengths, our international trade, with China. So when China finally reaches that point where the economy starts to go bust, we're going to be weakened even further. And the even bigger than that downside comes from the fact that our military is not going to be in a position for us to push back. China will have to get more aggressive. Russia's already being more aggressive, and the two are now performing joint military ventures. They're performing exercises together, coming right up on the coast of Alaska. This is not by accident. It's not by coincidence. It is designed to continue to poke and prod to show that in this case, the bear has no teeth. The bear being the United States in this scenario. The lion that was asleep also happened to have been victimized by the... Uh, veterinarian dentist because it just yanked all the teeth. Uh, we got no teeth. We got nothing left to fight with. We're not going to have any strength and we don't have the strategic oil supply either. We're just going to be straight up out of luck. All right, let's reset the hour, boys and girls. And uh, when we come back, we'll slide right into the next topic. Don't go anywhere. I will be right back. From 
a blue state plan Taught to praise the little man Told that unions saved the working class He was raised a red state son To love the flag and own a gun Warned about the greed within the mass They met beneath the moonlit sky A college party drunk and high And when they had degrees they said their vows He couldn't say when, he couldn't say how, he couldn't say why, she was different in his eyes. They built careers and had a kid, tried to live like their parents did, but both their parties taxed them close to death. Learned to hate the public schools Watch TV making fools While trial lawyers looted what was left She, she couldn't say when She couldn't say how She couldn't say why He was different in her eyes Saw them years ago A happy little cabin in the west They homeschooled on their farm Making so much more from so much less They can say when, they can say how, and they can say why, they're different in your eyes. They're different in your eyes. They're different in your eyes. This is Ken Crow with Conservative Daily Briefing, and you are listening to Tim Tap Tap into the Truth. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so very much for staying with us as we now dive headlong into our number two of today's broadcast. It is Tapping to the Truth, and we are just hanging on as everybody wants to make every political story about Donald Trump, and that's only because they really desperately want to ignore every single thing that's going on with one Joseph Robinette Biden Jr., the man who has single-handedly turned 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue into the most expensive nursing home on the planet. The man who's so senile that he's shuffling along, uh, hanging out on the beach, uh, enjoying his summer vacations, uh, ignoring completely the tragedy going on with the wildfires in Hawaii that is 
destroyed, decimated entire cities, historic towns, so tragic that many of the lives that have been lost, the remains cannot be identified because they're just falling apart. That's how hot the fire got. And the fact that they still can't seem to not play politics with this is beyond me. Biden, of course, says no comment. But who do we have? We have Maisie Arana or whatever her name is saying that this is climate change. Uh, no, this is the result of people bringing invasive plant species onto the island that are far more susceptible to wildfires. That's what this is. Plain and simple. And don't believe me? All you got to do is about 15 minutes worth of research and the truth becomes clear. It becomes obvious. These are, are tragedies, though. Loss of life, billions of dollars lost in property. Joe Biden seems to think that It'll be okay just to send about $700 per household to these people. He wants to spend billions and billions and billions of U.S. taxpayer dollars uh, shuffling that all off to Ukraine. But actual, honest-to-goodness American citizens in the great state of Hawaii, eh, well, here's 700 bucks. Uh, don't bother me, son. It's insane. Anyway, before we get on to our next topic want to remind you about one of our sponsors here in our number two. That, of course, is Vanish Holsters. Remember that the quickest path to tyranny is to give up your guns. The fastest way to become a victim of violent crime is to not have your handgun on you when you need it. Become a legal carrier. Make sure you're legal. Make sure you respect the tool that the gun is. And make sure that you have yourself a comfortable holster so that you don't start finding excuses not to carry. If that very bad, no good day ever should arrive where you have to stand up and defend yourself, defend your family, protect your neighbors, protect your property, then you really can't afford to be at the terrible disadvantage of not having your firearm on you. So go visit www.vnsh.com backslash T-A-P-P and check out what they have to offer. And very important to use the backslash T-A-P-P. That will automatically activate for you a $50 discount. Now that $50 discount has been extended to the end of August. I don't know how many more times I'm going to be able to talk them into extending it. So please don't hesitate. Take full advantage of the best discount that's available. Uh, I I'm going to keep trying, guys, I, and if we can extend it further, I will. I, you've got my word. I'll do my best on that. But, again, with where the economy is going, everybody has to make cutbacks, so you take advantage of that $50 discount before it goes away. Now, I'm still hopeful that if the 50 does go away, that there will be a different discount. It probably won't be as much, but... That's still no excuse. Just go do it. www.vnsh.com backslash T-A-P-P. Go look at what they have to offer. See how cool the, the Vanish holsters are. Go see uh, what the thousands of customers are saying so far because uh, according to those folks, Vanish is the most comfortable holster out there. According to those folks, if you start using a Vanish holster, you'll never stop carrying. So for the love of all that's holy, 
Children, please go visit www.vnsh.com backslash T-A-P-P. Do that right now, and you can have your Vanish Holster on its way to you before the end of the show. Don't hesitate. All right, let's jump in, shall we? This whole thing with Hunter Biden continues to go sideways. I find it rather interesting that the sudden appointment of a special counsel is supposed to somehow make us think that now, finally, the Justice Department's very serious about trying to deal with the criminality that is was and always has been Hunter Biden <laughs> since he's been old enough to be out on his own and yet can't seem to manage to live on his own. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of a funny thing. We, we've got his attorneys out here whining. Oh, no, uh, the diversion agreement is binding. Uh, it, it should remain in place. He's going to abide by it. And it's funny that it's the diversion agreement that they really think should be binding because it's the diversion agreement that they hid this indemnity clause from all the other possible criminalities that could be discovered if they continue to look at Hunter Biden's tax evasion and the gun shop. I mean, for all intents and purposes, it was the diversion agreement that kept the whole thing from happening. The judge clearly says this is not constitutional. You can't have a judge determine whether or not charging decisions can be made. That's not how our justice system works. You can't give blanket immunity for other crimes that have yet to be charged. And I'm sorry, the fact that you violated gun laws, that you committed felonies in so much as lying on your uh, gun application and then furthermore having your gun thrown away by your girlfriend, a.k.a. your brother's widow, uh, just throwing that gun away into a trash can, literally right across from a freaking school. No, 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 you get to ignore all that and have the FBI, Secret Service, whoever, show up and try to, to take away all the records showing that, uh, that you even had applied for your permit to have the gun and do the background check and all this other stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Criminality abounding. How is it that that is where you're going to say, well, you know, instead of felonies, we're going to do drug uh, aversion because, you know, clearly you wouldn't have done these things if he hadn't been just really messed up on drugs. He was struggling. He was a victim. He was a victim of his own desire and lack of self-control. That's what he was a victim of. He was a victim of being the black sheep of the family. He was a victim of being Hunter Biden instead of Beau Biden, who Joe clearly loved. I'm not even going to say loved more. I don't, I'm not convinced that he actually ever loved Hunter. And I'm pretty sure Hunter felt that. Pretty sure he knew he was the black sheep the whole time. Pretty sure that that is part of through his weakness of character, is what's demonstrated every action he's taken since then, his drug addiction and his inability to not get caught doing stupid stuff. I'm still fairly well convinced, and I know I'm not the only one, that Biden, uh, Hunter in this case, wanted to get caught, 
wanted all this to come out, wanted to embarrass Daddy so that Daddy would finally learn how much he's really been counting on Hunter, even though he's never acknowledged Hunter. It's very sad. Now, to a degree, actually, it is pretty sad. But as long as we keep in mind that Joe Biden has never been a nice guy, this persona of a nice guy is an image that was created by the media and only because they were fresh out of candidates that they thought might actually be able to win a national election. He's never been a nice guy. Ever. I still don't figure out uh, where he's got this persona from. Who started thinking that Joe Biden was a nice guy? I don't know. So we've got this special counsel in place now, and it is just another effort to continue to cover up. Now, it's entirely possible, and I, I throw this out here with the understanding that you should do your own homework on this. Don't take my word for it. But it's entirely possible that appointing the special counsel in this particular case is illegal. For two reasons. Number one, it's clearly a stall tactic. And number two, it's an effort to try and get uh, the cover-up covered up. We know that there was an effort to try and cover up Hunter Biden's activities uh, to avoid any connection to Joe Biden. That's it. It's, of course, every Democrat and every leftist in the country is trying to pretend like, no, no, there's no evidence of that. There's no proof of that. Well... There may not be enough evidence to get a conviction in the court of law just yet, but that's coming. The The real issue here is that you cannot take the guy who's actually responsible for creating the sweetheart deal in the first place, who was willing to sign off on it, who thought it was a good idea, who was then being grilled uh, and asked point blank, uh, should there have been a special, a special investigator here? Should special counsel have been placed? Well, yes, and I wish it had been me, but I didn't have this authority. Well, guess what? It should have never been you, and it shouldn't be you now. You know why? Because this guy is still working for the U.S. Justice Department. This guy is still an employee of the J.O.D., D.O.J. Is that a J.O.D.? <laughs> Justice of Departmental Nonsense, uh, <laughs> the Department of Justice. The whole point of a special counsel is you get somebody from outside of the government, someone who literally doesn't have a dog in the fight, who is going to be impartial as they investigate and follow the evidence wherever it leads. You're not going to get that from here. This is an effort also to keep this guy from having to go back in front of Congress to testify under oath some more about how meritless Garland has definitely done his job since he took over, and how the previous folks in this position have also worked to cuddle, coddle, and hide Hunter Biden from any type of real repercussions. We know it's true. We now have a former FBI agent who worked on the investigation into Hunter Biden uh, that's corroborating a major claim that was made by the whistleblowers in the IRS supervisory special agent Gary Shapley. The unnamed retired FBI supervisory special agent testified to the House Committee on Oversight and Accountability in a closed-door session 
on July 17th. Now, the committee released a 65-page transcript of that testimony this past Monday. The ex-agent backed up allegations made by uh, Shapley that Joe Biden's transition team was tipped off about the FBI's intent to interview Hunter. The agent said that he was notified the evening before the date of the expected interview. He was notified the evening before, which was planned to be held on December 8th of 2020. This expected interview that the Biden transition team had been warned, that they knew. Quote here, I was refreshed by the testimony of supervisory number two. And I believe he's correct. I believe I, you know, and now getting into the frame of mind, I know I was upset when I learned about it. This is actual quotes from what the agent told the lawmakers in this behind closed door session. In addition to the transition team, the Secret Service, which at that time had a detail guarding Hunter was also warned. The former agent said that while he believed the Secret Service was going to be told the morning of the interview, warning the Secret Service that the FBI intended to interview Hunter was justifiable. When asked why he had been upset, the former agent clarified by saying, quote, I felt it was people that did not need to know about our intent. Now, the former agent was not able to recall who specifically was told on the Biden transition team, but the uh, former agent said that he and Shapley were later instructed to wait for a phone call from Hunter Biden to connect the interview. But that phone call never came, and the interview never happened. Two IRS agents who worked with the FBI and the Department of Justice to investigate the junior Biden's finances and overseas business dealings have allegedly, well, they've alleged that politics infected the investigation through the DOJ. Both Shapley and Joseph Zegler, the lead case agent on the Hunter Biden case, and a 13-year veteran of the IRS, testified about their concerns to the House Oversight Committee back in July. Quoting again, this time from that testimony, I have witnessed the coercion of ethical standards. The corrosion of ethical standards and the abuse of power that threatens our nation. It is within this context that I have chosen to shed light on these actions and expose those responsible. I recognize that while I was present at the start of this investigation and was closely involved with the investigation for roughly five years, that I am just a part of the story. This is from Zegler. He continued, My aim is to address systemic problems that have allowed misconduct to flourish. It is not 
a call for blame, but a call for accountability and reform. Well, I'm afraid it has to be a call for blame. It has to be, somebody has to be blamed so that someone can be held accountable. When we have ex-FBI agents, uh, supervisors no less, that are willing to testify under oath in a closed-door session, it's closed-door, so that the American public doesn't get to hear everything because the possibility of something that is classified may come up. When they're willing to give you this testimony, and we have more and more people collaborating the fact that politics was controlling the investigation, then you have to take that seriously. You know, it's one thing for us to suspect that there's corruption at that level. Most of us are convinced beyond a reasonable doubt. Most of us, those of us who have been paying attention, are getting so frustrated and so angry that we're starting to sound like conspiracy theory nuts and kooks, and we're starting to sound like we want to go start a militia group somewhere because it has been so convoluted. It's been so corrupted. Right now, we are not a constitutional republic. We simply, if we were, none of this double standard would be happening. There would be no effort to control social media. There'd be no effort to censor Americans that are questioning. There'd be no special trips by FBI SWAT to to go shoot a Utah man just because, you know, now they're claiming that he pointed a weapon at one of the agents. So I'm still not convinced that even if that's the case, the dude was in the wrong. At this point, he saw a bunch of people out in his yard that are trespassing. At this point, he saw a bunch of people that had weapons of their own, that had used a flashbang. And I'm sorry, this guy, who is shorter than I am, who is ridiculously obese, who requires a cane to walk about, is not a serious threat to anyone. It would have been so much easier for them to utilize some of the tactics that they typically use in de-escalating potential violent situations. You don't go to this guy's house in the first place. You meet this guy out in the community where he is active and friendly and well thought of, considered to be one of the best people in the community. You go out, you, you pick him up at the grocery store, you pick him up at the church, you do those simple things where he's not going to make a big scene, where he's probably not even going to realize what's happening until after it's occurred. This is not something new. This is something they do all the time. They show up at these people's houses and make a show of force because that's exactly what they're doing. A show of force. They're trying to intimidate people like you and me. They want to make sure that we uh, sit down and, and shut up, that we don't continue to question them. There are a lot of good men and women that are still working in these agencies. But the agencies have been corrupt to the point that it may be too late to, to cut out the infected part in a hope that the uh, body will heal. It may be too late to salvage these institutions. Maybe time to just cut them loose and let them go and move 
the responsibilities that these men and women were doing to other agencies that are operating a little more in line with the interest of the American people, a little less in line with the political motives of those who have appointed leadership. It may be time for exactly that. The fact that we have more people coming forward, more people whistleblowing, at some point, and I, I don't want anyone to hold their breath on this, but at some point, someone does have to be held accountable, right? I mean, we do still believe in accountability. We do still believe in justice. I prefer justice over vengeance. And I certainly would prefer justice over unfettered criminality. There's absolutely no doubt. I, I wrote in a uh, an essay all the way back in 2013 uh, the simple notion that, that it's unquestionable, it's undeniable. It's clearly there can be no justice as long as criminals are running the Justice Department. I'm sure you probably heard that sentiment and several similar sentiments from other places too. At the end of all of the discussion here, we see point blank, obvious, right in front of our eyes, something that most of us and when I say us, I'm talking to you guys who've been listening to this show for a long time, that have been listening to other folks like Mark Levin and, and of course, Tucker Carlson and Glenn Beck and, and all those tier one folks that, that you all know and that you've been listening to. The Ben Shapiros, the Andrew Clavins, the Michael Knowles. You've been listening to all these folks. Then, then you know. We've known. We've had all the evidence shown to us. The, the one thing that we still have to try to remember, though, is that a lot of our fellow Americans have not been paying close enough attention. They've not seen this evidence. They've not heard the stories and the news and, and all the information. So it is incumbent upon us to make sure we continue to share this information so that more people find out. Every single day I come across somebody that hasn't heard about some basic piece of information that we've known for years, in some cases decades now. And then they're like, no, oh, that can't be true. And two seconds on Google. On Google. And it's all of a sudden, it's, oh, wow, I, I had no idea. How could that be true? That, that doesn't seem right. Yeah, seem right or not, it's the truth. <clears throat> all right. Uh, <clears throat> Still just trying to clear my throat here. Since I did it late last hour, let's do it a little early this hour. We'll do the mid-hour break. Before we do that, though, I want to remind you about our friends over at 4Patriots.com. Yes, that's right. 4Patriots, they've got the, the things you need when things go sideways. Right now, my biggest concern for most of you is what do you do with the power grid if it goes out for an extended period of time? You know, the, if you've got a gas-powered generator and <clears throat> you're in full survival mode, you know everything you need to do and you have it set up perfectly, 
good for you. That doesn't describe most Americans. If you scoff at the idea of solar power because you think, well, the sun doesn't always shine. Well, again, that just shows that you haven't really taken a look at these solar generators that poor patriots are showing. Because they not only have the ability to power up using solar energy, but they store it. They store that power, and you can use it. And in some cases, for extended periods of time, and you can keep using the solar power if you got no other option to recharge and keep using it. I, I love my sidekick. I, I use it. <laughs> I use it almost every day doing things that I probably shouldn't be doing because at some point I'm going to need it in an emergency. And actually, we've had more power outages right here because of all these storms that have been coming through. We've had more power outages in the last two weeks than we had in all of last summer. And my sidekick has gotten a workout. But, uh, you know, just go take a look at what they're offering. And before you dismiss it, take a look at what they actually do. Because I've gotten a lot of comments from some uh, survivalists on some of the social media. Ha ha, sun doesn't always shine. This is useless, blah, blah. It's like, dude, you're not even paying attention to what actually is going on here. You're really not. So take a look at it. Do not dismiss the value of these solar gen power generators without taking a look at it and see what it is they do. Read the details. Get into the fine print. It's not a lot of it. It's good stuff, too. So with that being said, I also would like to remind you that if you've got these gas-powered uh, generators, if you get one and you don't know how to set it up, then you run the risk of carbon monoxide poisoning being a problem. And even if you do know what you're doing, the fuel, it doesn't, it's not shelf-stable very long. I mean, you could use a few tricks here and there, but you're still only going to have so much of that fuel to go. And if the power's out, it's not like you can just run down the street and get more fuel takes that same electricity to keep the fuel pumping, if you know what I'm talking about. So anyway, lots of good reasons to have solar backup emergency power. So visit our friends over at Four Patriots and uh, see what all they've got to offer. Not just there, but with the survival food kits, the water purification, lots of other really cool stuff too. Lots of stuff. Again, the number four patriots.com the number four patriots.com use promo code tap t-a-p-p -P, save yourself 10 percent at checkout and uh don't go anywhere because we'll be right back after this brief break you're listening to tap into the truth Sucker punch somebody on a sidewalk Carjacking old lady at a red light Pull a gun on the owner of a liquor store You think it's cool, act a fool if you like Cuss out a cop, spit in his face Stomp on the flag and light it up Yeah, you think it's tough Well, try that in a small town See how far you make it down I've often said, 
that the majority of elected officials are either working or assisting others to literally destroy we the people. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. On today's page from the Edwards Notebook, brought to you by Constitutional Grounds Coffee. To use the phrase Senator Chucky Schumer spotted to a Supreme Court justice, the leftists are coming at us six ways to Sunday. Two ways in particular is to overwhelm us with millions of brutish illegal border crossers and budget-busting overspending. Illegal border crossers receive 43% of all food stamps. 95% of warrants issued for murder in Los Angeles are for illegals. 60% of all HUD-occupied properties in the United States are illegals, while many born in the U.S. are homeless. Mm. Taxpayers pay for 39% of all California students who are illegals. 75% of most wanted criminals in Los Angeles are illegals who rarely get jail time for their crimes. 50% of all gang members are illegals in California. And U.S. taxpayers are footing the bill for all the illegal border crosser madness. Simultaneously, the uniparty government is trying to extinguish our unalienable rights. The coming revolution will be televised. I'm Ron Edwards. Join me live weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, 12 Pacific. To find out where, go to theronedwards.com. Second Skull is a protective headgear company with a patented line of impact-reducing products. At Second Skull, we focus on head protection as our only priority so that we can be the absolute best at it. With an estimated 2.8 million Americans sustaining a traumatic brain injury each year, and a half a million children being treated in the ERH year for a head injury, there have been recent declines in athletic participation levels. We believe that concerns and fears of head injuries are factors contributing to these declines in activity levels. Second Skull has protection for every sport and for every athlete. Our product line of thin, lightweight, breathable, and practical solutions are each tested at independent and accredited laboratories. These products are patented and proven. When I invented my pillow, my passion was to help each and every one of you. And 20 years later, all of your support is what keeps us going. Because of you, we've been able to create thousands of USA jobs and help millions get the best sleep ever. To thank you, my employees and I are bringing you a limited edition MyPillow. The Giza Elegance My Pillow is made with my patented adjustable fill, the most amazing cotton, and a two-inch pipe gusset. It has four custom loft levels, machine washable and dryable, and you get my 60-day money-back guarantee and 10-year warranty. Go to MyPillow.com and use promo code TAPP or call 1-800-659-9936. That's MyPillow.com with promo code TAPP. Use your promo code to get your limited edition 20th anniversary MyPillow queen size. Retails for $69.98, now only $19.98. That's right, get a queen size MyPillow for only $19.98. From all of us here at MyPillow... Constitutional Grounds, the hot air roasted coffee that produces a smoother, richer, healthier, and less acetic coffee. Our unique hot air roasted coffee has a most delicious taste that everyone is raving about. Because you want the best, Constitutional Grounds is the coffee you want in your cup. Simply go to BlueEdgeCoffeeCrafters.com and click on to the Constitutional Grounds coffee display to make your purchase and to be sure to use the RE20 promo code and you will receive a 10% discount. Remember... Constitutional Grounds, the coffee you want in your cup.
Hi, this is Matt Fitzgibbons at PatriotMusic.com. If you share my passion for the simple but timeless principles that made our republic great and you like rock music, check out my five albums and videos on American history at PatriotMusic.com. You say gun control is using both hands. I've got to be free the way God made men. And I won't be ruled by the damn U.N. This is Kathy Barnett, the National Grassroots Director for the Vivek 2024 Presidential Campaign, and you're listening to MPAP and Tap into the Truth. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back, and we are now heading into the final segment of the show. Glad to have you here. Thank you for staying with us this long. I certainly appreciate it. Uh, Kathy there reminds me, Vivek said something that kind of ruffled some feathers uh, the other day and may have been the first real misstep of the campaign. It seems that he believes, uh, based on where the pulse of the American people, or at least Republican voters, that it was a good idea to say, hey, once we have uh, no longer need of Taiwan for superconductor computer chips, we should just go ahead and let China invade. What? What? No, 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 no. Uh, that the bad idea of a fake, a uh, bit of a misstep there. I uh, hope you will correct that sooner than later. Okay, before we jump into the uh, final uh, story of the evening, before I then opine about it, uh, the ends that will probably have you wishing that I would just shut up. I do need to remind you once again about our friends at Native Path. See, here's the thing. Uh, inflammation is an issue. Uh, if you have issues with heart disease, if you are concerned about blood clots, strokes, kidney failure, then you probably shouldn't be taking ibuprofen. In fact, you should probably be staying away from ibuprofen and Advil and Tylenol altogether. See, all of those things, heart disease, blood clots, strokes, kidney, you can find that on the back of an ibuprofen bottle in the warning list of possible side effects. And to top it all off anyway, ibuprofen doesn't really get to the main cause of your pain or the swelling that you have. It's only temporary pain relief, and that means that it's just masking the true problem, which is inflammation. It's not a solution to your pain. It's just a way to try and pretend like you don't have a problem. So right now, you can go to stopmyinflammation.com backslash T-A-P-P, and you can learn more about how this special offer that we're talking about can help you, and you can actually see the special offer that you get just for being a listener of Tap Into The Truth. All you need to know is that omega-3 fatty acids is something that physicians are telling you to add to your diet. 
this Antarctic supernutrient is something that is going to actually help you when it comes to inflammation. The omega-3 content from krill oil has been shown to support healthy blood pressure, to improve circulation, to help with brain health, as well as to reduce inflammation and swelling and joint pain. And that last part, the joint pain and the swelling, I can tell you point blank, it has worked for me extremely well. Now, I can't guarantee you that you'll have the same results that I did. You could possibly have better results. I haven't seen much in the way of the circulation and the blood pressure, but I can swear to you without hesitation that it has really, really helped me with inflammation and joint pain. Maybe it doesn't help you with the joint pain, but maybe it does help you with the other things. You can find out. Right now, just go to stopmyinflammation.com backslash T-A-P-P right now and get your special offer just for being part of the audience here at Tap Into The Truth. One more time, that's stopmyinflammation.com backslash T-A-P-P. Go do it now. Why, why continue to be in pain if you don't have to? Just trust me, it's worth a shot. Uh, worst case scenario, yeah, you spend a little money and maybe it doesn't work so good for you. Or, <clears throat> maybe you spend a little money, you try it, you think it's not doing much, you stop for a minute, and then you realize, wow, <laughs> that actually was helping. Either way, you know. Alright, so let's get to this uh, last story of the day, shall we? A federal appeals court issued a major free speech ruling on Tuesday, stating that Washington, D.C. had selectively enforced defacement ordinances against pro-life advocates while allowing far-left protesters to graffiti Black Lives Matter messages on city streets during the summer of 2020. Hey, you guys remember when we were talking about on this show and lots of other conservatives were talking about how it was kind of crazy that uh, if you were out there protesting for the side of the left, for the side of Marxism, for the side of collectivism, in the name of Democrats everywhere, that no matter what you did, that seemed to be okay. That was just how democracy works. And yet, if you happened to be the least bit conservative and showed up to protest, it didn't matter how nice you were or how many permits you'd gotten, you were just a bad, bad person. Well, this is kind of what we're talking about here. Anyway, quoting from the U.S. Court of Appeals for the D.C. Circuit, in a 42-page opinion, I might add, <clears throat> the government may not enforce the laws in a manner that picks winners and losers in public debates. It would undermine the First Amendment's protections for free speech if the government could enact a content-neutral law and then discriminate against disfavored viewpoints under the cover of prosecutorial discretion. Okay, so to put that in more layman's terms, you don't get to sit back and say that, well, the prosecutors have a certain amount of discretion in who they decide to pursue charges against. 
Now, that much has always kind of sort of been true, but at the end of the day, the expectation is that prosecutors should be prosecuting crimes and that they should prioritize where they're spending that energy based on the seriousness of the crime. If you're going to elevate a crime to your attention level, if you're going to decide that a certain type of criminal offense is in fact worthy of you using your energy and the resources of your office to prosecute, then you should be prosecuting that crime across the board, regardless of who's committing it, regardless of what the message is they're trying to get out. In other words, pro-life, BML, BLM, uh, pro-life, Antifa, pro-life, whoever else. It should all be the same. If you go out and spray paint Black Lives Matter on a, a brick wall that's private property, uh, you should charge them the same as you would if uh, Nick Sandman showed up and spray painted uh, Second Amendment forever <laughs> on private property. But instead, we know, especially in D.C., Nick Sandman would be thrown under the jail, whereas BLM protesters and Antifa folks... Uh, they'd get a pat on the back. They'd have the vice president swoop in. Uh, Hi, my name's Kamala, and uh, Russia is a country, and uh, here's some money uh, for your bail. Uh, get out. Except for the fact that I'd say that you probably wouldn't be bail assigned. This is probably one of those bailless uh, offenses. Anyway, that's what they're saying here, though. You can't just pick a side and let them off the hook all the time, you should prosecute accordingly across the board. And if you choose not to prosecute a certain crime because you don't feel the crime is elevated in seriousness enough for you to use your energy, waste the resources of your office, then that should be the case, again, regardless of whoever's committed the crime. Oh, let's just say... Just a, a random example, just kind of pulling out of nowhere. Let's say that you were the Secretary of State, and you had a private server at home, and you were conducting business, and you were having emails sent and stored on your private server, even though as Secretary of State, you're only supposed to use the governmental servers for your email because they have the extra security, presumably. We're still talking about government, so the likelihood of it being that much safer is probably a lot less than we would like to think. But let's just say that the accusation is made that you, you know, mishandled classified documents. But the FBI, in its great wisdom, makes the determination that they're not going to recommend charges because technically they don't get to make that choice. They don't get to charge. They're supposed to investigate the crime, and then once the crime has been investigated, if they have a suspect, they turn that over to prosecution. Turn it over to the DA. It's up to them to make charging decisions, but they're not going to recommend charges based solely on the fact that they don't think she intended to do anything wrong, despite the fact that there's a ton of her actions that prove, yeah, she did a lot of things she intended to violate the law, like the complete and total destruction of 
Blackberries and other phone devices and laptops and uh, tablets and computers and then the use of uh, bit bleach and all these other things. It shows an intention to fail to comply with the subpoena demanding to see what all was on these servers. But you choose not to prosecute. That's the choice that was made. And then, let's say a few years later, there's a former president who actually had the authority to declassify and Secretary of State, never did. But uh, he ended up keeping several classified documents for either A, proof that he could pull out and use in the event that he's accused of something terrible which actually is very likely, or just because he kind of likes them. Here's a letter from Kim Jong-un. He said some very nice things about me. I want to keep it. It's mine now. Go pound sand, archives. You can't have them. It's mine. Okay. Mishandled classified documents. Presuming... Uh, based on recorded conversation, certainly appears that some of the documents he had, he did not declassify, so technically would be a violation of the law. But did he do anything worse than what Hillary Clinton did? Did he do anything worse than what Joe Biden did? who is both a senator and as the setting vice president, had accrued a large number of classified documents that he should not have had and never had the power or authority to declassify. And in fact, the senator never had the authority to have in his possession outside of a skiff. Did he do anything worse or is it the same? Technically, I mean, you can say... What Hillary and what Joe and what Mike Pence even did is probably worse than what Donald Trump did. But if you're going to not prosecute the crime, then you really shouldn't prosecute the crime. That's at essence here. Anyway, the appeals court that we're discussing here... It reversed the lower district court's decision, which had dismissed a First and Fifth Amendments lawsuit filed against the nation's capital city by the Frederick Douglass Foundation and Students for Life of America. The complaint, of course, alleged that D.C. authorities had violated the constitutional rights of two pro-life activists by arresting them on August 1st of 2020. Four the terrible, horrible, very no-good crime of chalking black pre-born lives matter. Now, we talked about this at the time it happened. It's a very unique phrase. One that I actually tend to agree with. Black pre-born lives matter. Uh, also, same thing for yellow and red and brown and white, although we're really not supposed to say that last one at all. All pre-born lives matter. All lives matter, period. But here, these two pro-life activists, in chalk, mind you, not, nothing permanent, nothing hard to remove, was going to be gone by the next time a good hard rain came along. 
chalked out that black pre-born lives matter on a public sidewalk outside of a local Planned Parenthood facility. Ooh, the horror. These domestic terrorists. Why are they even still alive? We should have executed them instantly, right? I mean, uh, who's with me? I see you lefties out there who accidentally tuned in, and now you think I'm secretly one of you. Uh, that's called sarcasm for those of you on the left. So the groups acknowledged that the, that the graffiti violated the public ordinances. They alleged, however that authorities mistreated the two activists in comparison to thousands of protesters who were free to deface streets, sidewalks, and storefronts with paint and chalk and anti-police messages and other BLM-related content during the very same summer. Quoting here again from George, uh, George from Judge Rayo, who wrote in the 42-page opinion, the markings were ambiguous and in open violation of the district's defacement ordinance, yet none of the protesters were arrested. Rayo's opinion for the court in Frederick, Frederick Douglass Foundation versus District of Columbia was joined by Judge Michelle Childs and Robert L. Wilkins, who both concurred in reversing the district court's dismissal of the foundation's First Amendment claim, but affirmed the dismissal of an equal protection claim and remanded the case for further proceedings, saying, quote, we affirm the district court's dismissal of the foundation's equal protection claim because the foundation has not plausibly alleged uh, individualist discrimination by district officials. Discriminatory motive, however, is not an element of a First Amendment free speech selective enforcement claim. Now, <clears throat> again, for those of you who might get a little lost in the details or in the weeds there, or maybe just the lingo gets confusing, what they're saying is that the Equal Protections Clause of the Constitution doesn't apply. What they're saying is actually pretty much in line with most legal doctrine, both left and right-leaning advocates of the law, in reading and understanding the truth of the Equal Protection Clause, understand that it's kind of a high bar, and it's situational. That... Uh, when you choose to discriminate, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're violating the equal protections. It gets a little convoluted, but that's really all it means. Now, the First Amendment prohibits discrimination on the basis of viewpoint irrespective of the government's motive. So what they're saying again here is that it doesn't matter what the government thinks the motive of the individual is, either you're allowed to do a thing or you're not allowed to do a thing. And if you're exercising your freedom of expression, then 
if you're doing something that is similar or identical to what someone else has done and you've allowed, it's really not legal to enforce it on a selective basis. Especially when it's so obvious that it's politically motivated. So, continuing reading from the opinion, it says, We hold the foundation has plausibly alleged that the district discriminated on the basis of viewpoint in the selective enforcement of its defacement ordinance. Now, Alliance Defending Freedom attorneys representing members of the Frederick Douglass Foundation and Students for Life of America chalked up the free speech victory at the D.C. Circuit, affirming the group's rights to exercise their constitutionally protected freedom to peacefully share their views the same as anyone else. Washington officials can't censor messages they disagree with. Uh, this from ADF Senior Counsel Aaron Hawley, Vice President of the ADF Center for Life and Regulatory Practice, by the way. Uh, this from a news release continued by saying, quote, every American deserves for their voice to be heard as they engage in important cultural and political issues of the day. Frederick Douglass Foundation, Virginia chapter president, J.R. Gurley, said that the news release that D.C. officials, quote, shouldn't allow some groups to participate in the public forum and shun others from doing so just because city officials disagree with their viewpoint. The First Amendment protects our right to peacefully share our pro-life message in Washington, D.C. without fear of unjust government punishment, and thankfully, the D.C. Circuit Court agreed. Uh, That's, again, still from Gurley. <coughs> now, President of the Students for Life of America, Kristen Hawkins, called the court's unanimous decision favoring free speech rights for pro-life students, quote, very encouraging. Still quoting here uh, from Hawkins, viewpoint discrimination is un-American, and as the case proceeds, we look forward to learning more about how D.C. officials picked winners and losers in their enforcement. Free speech rights you're afraid to use don't really exist, and we will keep fighting for the rights of our students to stand up for the preborn." and their mothers. So, what we're really talking about here is a court smacking down the local D.C. folks, saying, hey, look, you don't get to just pick and choose. You don't get to decide who has free speech and who doesn't. You don't get to decide who has God-given, constitutionally protected rights and who doesn't. You don't get to decide if somebody is allowed to do a thing when you've already allowed someone else to do the same thing. Now, I would love for these same judges to get to overhear some of the stuff that's going on with Trump camp. I would love for them to see some of the stuff going on with the Hunter Biden stuff. But in the meanwhile, 
we do have to continue to keep fighting for justice. Not vengeance and not political expediency, but justice. And when justice is served, very rarely are we going to be completely happy. But we certainly will be happier knowing that justice is the actual goal as opposed to political advancement of power. That's got to be it for tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so very much for staying with me. As always, I greatly appreciate it. Remember to support all the companies that support the show. Uh, spend some time visiting with our friends uh, at fourpatriots.com, at Native Path, at Vanish Holsters, and at My Pillow. In fact, you can go to mypillow.com backslash T-A-P-P and land on a special page just supporting the show. Uh, lots of great deals going on there as well. Remember, don't take my word for it. Definitely, definitely don't take their word for it. Be prepared to put in some effort and most importantly, use your brain if you really want to tap into the truth. Don't forget to tune in to the Friday Night Live show, listen to us live, hear all the great guests, and, uh, you know, Hang out with us. Get in the chat room. Be part of the show. Good night, everybody.
is using both hands. Evil is powerless if the good are unafraid.